Welcome back to the Hip Hop Social Worker Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Scott, and uh, today we have a special guest in the building, uh, or online, uh, Mr. W- or Dr. William Coombs. Go ahead and uh, tell the people what's going on. Appreciate that, brother. Yeah, uh, Dr. Coombs. Um, Will is good. Uh, making my making my way in this, this social work world, coming out my, my lane. Um, I can tell you that as I, you know, learn to kind of get more comfortable in social media and getting to know some of my fellow uh, brothers out there specifically, you're definitely one of the inspirations. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to see you build your your platform, that is the Hip Hop Social Worker, is definitely inspirational for me. Um, it was the foundation for me building what is now my platform, Talk Taylor, um, which I guess I'll talk about a little bit uh, as we, you know, as we get going, but. Yeah, man, just um, realized at one point that this is what I like to do and wanted to make sure that I did it 100% in my own image. Mm. And that's kind of what, where, you know, what's kind of led me to my, my passion today. I love what I do. I love this social work world. I love doing it the way that I want to do it. Um, I love watching other people do it, like such as yourself, do it the way that you want to do it. Yeah. Um, there's a, the, I think there's a, definitely a lane for us to succeed. So. Now here I am trying to carve up my own. Yes, sir. I mean, I really feel like it was really like, like we we invested all this time and effort, you know, uh, to to really not at least have some of what we do be be ours. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like I feel like um, giving a hundred percent of yourself to something else other than like your own is kind of it's it's cheating yourself. You know, like there's people. I mean, you know, we got big letters behind our names and, and and people with big letters behind their names, you know, make you know, make differences and make and make waves. So 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 like you're really cheating yourself if you don't go, you know, go for it. at least that's what I think, you know. But some people it ain't for everybody, but you know. No, for sure, man. I think that's the part that a lot of people leave off. Like the, you know, those letters matter to a lot of people. But I think what happens as we grow in this social work profession and what kind of what I've learned through my education is that people, they want to do this job and they want to make a difference until they get the credentials and they get the platform to do it. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of us kind of fall back to that mold, that traditional, this is what a social worker is, this is what a social worker does, this is what a therapist is. So what you have is a bunch of people who go into it one way, but then come out of it as just another cookie cutter version yeah i think that's unfortunate Uh, not a lot of people take advantage of that opportunity okay now that i have this platform how do i continue to still be myself uh because there's people out there that need that they need to hear it your way and not the traditional way yeah that makes that's definitely true you know like there's there's more than there's more than one way you know saying it gets where we need to go you know that's how i feel anyway uh sure so why don't you go ahead and, um, you know, the, the age-old question, why social work? Why social work? Um, I figured out, you know, so, so my, the majority of my professional career was in the Marine Corps um, as, as a Marine. Mm-hmm. And um, the trap was something like that is that you're so good at it that you think that that is your calling. Um, I was good at being a Marine. I was very... You know, it's, it's the thing that I could have I could have hung around for 
20 years if that's what I wanted to do. Um, but at every stop and every juncture of, you know, my development, you know, in the Marines before that, back in Baltimore, where I grew up, I always realized that the thing that I'm naturally good at is talking and listening to people, mm. giving them a different perspective and letting them feel the situation from a different perspective, which I think is huge. Um, I was always that kid that people gravitated, gravitated to. Um, and a lot of us in the profession kind of share that, that people will come tell you information unsolicited. They just wanted to, you know, they feel comfortable talking to you. Yeah. You know, and I embrace that. And so, you know, I, I learned, you know, there was a, a time where I, I knew this, but I never really addressed it, never really did anything with it until I had a conversation with my father. And, you know, I'm still in the Marines at the time. and we are. We have orders leaving the East Coast to come out to California. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's me and my family and my grand, my kids, their grandkids. My dad at the time, uh, he was in between jobs. Uh, he was staying at you know my grandmother's old house, which is to say that he didn't really have anything rooting him to this area. And you know we're talking in the back backyard of my house, and he's telling me that you know I'm going to be sad to see you go, and I think you know out of nowhere. I get this feeling and I just start talking and I don't know where the words are going to come, what's coming out. I just know that it feels right to say it. Yeah. And I'm explaining to him, why don't you come with us? Why don't you come out to California with us? You know, worst case scenario, you have the same thing you have here, but better weather. And mm-hmm. just all of these like things that I'm listening to myself, like, like, dang, this is, I need to write this down. Like this sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Sounds great. Um, <laughs> You know, and and it was in that moment that I realized that I really enjoyed doing this. I got that butterfly feeling that you get when you do something that you're excited doing. Yeah. And realized that somehow, some way, I need to figure out that I want to do this full time. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought initially, you know, in my ignorance at that time, that I wanted to be a psychologist. You know, so I started looking into psychology and how to do that, and you know, I started, you know, found on my path to undergrad that psychology is cool and everything. There was a lot that I learned about like the inner workings of the brain, mm-hmm. but the degree that I pursued was social psychology, which had a uh, half of that degree was the basics of sociology. Yeah. And I found in that process that I was more interested in real stuff, like, you know, neurons and the brain circuits and all <laughs> that is cool. But I want to know, what is the effect of living in the hood have on a person's psyche? And, yeah. you know, the the real deal topics, I, I feel, I found out that I was more attracted to things like that. Plus, uh, you know, learning that to actually practice at this level, you know, psychology, you pretty much have to go all the way through to the doctorate before you can start social work. Or, you know, you start cutting your teeth at that master's level. So I could start doing my thing sooner. Um, and, and, you know, and then as I go into it and as, as I start to, you know, take these classes and realize what social work really is, you know, because I had the same in- ignorant view that a lot of people have. Like the first thing you hear when you think social work is child protective services, yep. somebody can break <laughs> up families, take away your kid. Yep. And, you know, when you got to realize it's so much more than that, it's not just that. And, you know, you can really take a social work education and apply it to any job ever because the 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 basics of being a good social worker is understanding people yeah so wherever wherever people are you are now the resident expert 
Um, and, and, you know, the rest is history, man. Once I decided that what social work could do to unlock my, you know, wants in life, it was really just a matter of building from there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you had cut out a little bit back there, but I think what you were saying that with a master's of social work, you can start working faster than if you got a master's of psychology because you got to get the doctorate before you can Absolutely. do anything. Yeah, so. That was exactly what I was saying. Yeah. You could start, start the real work at the master's level instead of going through the PhD and the doctorate and then getting started. Yeah, yeah that's the same reason why. I mean, that was one of the reasons why I chose social work over like anything else because because uh, um, a lot of therapists that I've seen had uh, PsyDs. And I was like, yep. what the? I was like, so I can either get my master's in social work or get my doctorate in psychology, which sounds terrible. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, not because of psychology, it's because that sounds like a lot more school work than I want to do. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what kind of uh, um, influences... Have you have you um, incorporated in your practice? Oh man, um, I, I guess specifically the, the the influences that I've had have been based on kind of my own development. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've learned through this throughout this journey of my life is that I have never at any point knew exactly what to do, mm. and there was always somebody at every important juncture of my life who was able to keep me on track, whether it had been a key teacher, whether it had been yeah. a coach, whether it had been my, my mother and my father. Uh, there was always one person that stood out and said, William, keep going, or William, try this, not that. And what I learned from that is that everybody really only needs that person that gives a damn. Mm-hmm. Like we just need that person that cares enough to catapult you to whatever it is that you want to do. And so my influence have, have been those people. You know, I have specific teachers. I have, uh, you know, my everybody in my high school in terms of, you know, when I, I used to hang out in with the JROTC kids, I was one of those weirdos. <laughs> um, but I had, you know, teachers who were former military members who genuinely cared about making sure that I turned out to be the best person I could be. Yeah. You know, and it's very easy growing up in a place like Be More to drift off the path of, you know, success because there's so many different influences. But, you know, when you have that strong influence, that person that genuinely cares, uh, they keep you on track. And that's worked for me. And kind of when I got to the end of, you know, my development, you know, and realizing that, well, not the end of my development, because we're still going, but yeah, realizing that how how huge would it be to actually be that for somebody else, mm. to make it my life's work to be that influence to other people. So, um, you know, a lot of my influence are internal. Um, outwardly, I mean, and I continue to do the same thing. I mentioned before that, I, you know, I saw your platform, but I don't take stuff like that lightly. I, I see people out there working who are doing the things that I want to do. Yeah. And I like to pull a little bit of them into me because I see it, you know, if just as easily as I see, you know, you got the logo with the glasses and the podcast and the, like, I'm like, this is a brand. This is something that people gravitate towards. How do I get a piece of that for myself? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, it, my, my influences are in real time, but it's, you know, it's, 
I know one thing is that I will always be the expert of myself. Nobody can take that away from me. Yep. So all that I can do is share my own personal influences, you know? Yeah. Dope. Dope. Yeah. Um, you're definitely right about that. You know, like that, that's why it's so important to kind of individualize your own practice, you know, because, um, you know, there, there, I think there like becomes a, a time where, where, where every therapist kind of sounds the same. You know, yeah, but if, but if you sure. like really like put your like you know your own individual spin on things, you know, on how you deliver services, then you know your brand will be as strong as as you are. You know, yeah, for sure. Yes. I agree with that so much, man. It's you know we're all and and at the end of the day, we're all saying the same things, mm-hmm. but you know, no, it doesn't mean anything unless it's coming from your authentic self. You're right. Otherwise. You can we can just give our client a you know a book on CBT. Yeah, cognitive. You know, here you go. Read this. Do this. <laughs> the end. Mm-hmm. You know, and the next therapist can come and say, read this, do this. But here comes me, and I'm going to deliver it as me, not as a vessel for information. Yeah. You know, and once you people forget the importance of that human connection. Once you establish that, now you can hear it from me. And you like I tell people all the time, you don't have to like me, but you gotta hear me. Yeah. And judge what you think based on me the person, not me the character mm-hmm. or the you know. Okay. That makes sense. Um in a so like in a field like social work and you're doing all these practices and you're trying to really um, you know, get you know, reach people and reach systems and all this, uh, you know, wonderful stuff they teach us in school. How do you gauge success in in your work? Uh, for me is success is defined in that aha moment, mm. right? It is that, that moment when you're talking to someone and it happens, you know, not even in professional, when you, when you're having a conversation with another person and that moment happens where it's like, okay, I feel you. I get you. I understand what you're trying to tell me. I think that is success. You know, as therapists, as doctors, as anybody who is in the profession of helping people, your goal should be to work yourself out of a job. Mm. Right? You don't want that person to have to continue to come back and rely on you. You want them to learn the things that it'll take so they can rely on themselves. Yeah. So what I strive for, you know, the part that gives me those butterflies is that that checkmate moment. It's like that, you know, damn, I can't say you're right. I can't say anything else. I I understand exactly what you mean. Um, And the ball is now in their court. You know, Mm -hmm. you you have the information, you know what you have to do. And the only choice you have left is to apply it. Um, that's success for me. And in, 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 in authenticity, it, it, it doesn't mean that I have to be the one to make that success happen, right? My, I can't save the entire world. Yeah. But maybe I'll make it better for that next person they talk to, or maybe that next therapist, or maybe they have that moment that sparks in their mind that goes, ah, you know, that guy, he was kind of a jerk, but he, I'm thinking about what he said right now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's success. I think the human experience is it's a journey and it's not a game of wins and losses. It's a game of constant, constant growth. Um, and sometimes success for me means planting a seed. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes success is that haymaker where 
bam, you just changed my life. You know, it comes in different forms in different mm-hmm. situations. But as long as I can have that aha moment somewhere in that spectrum, then it's a good day for me. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I, I, like, I still don't really have, like, an answer for how I get success. I think the aha moment is definitely big. Um, you know, c- clients actually, like, r- repeating things that you say in, in practice, you know, like yeah. saying, oh, oh, you know, last week you told me to do this, and guess what I did it, and then either it worked or, because it, it doesn't always have to work, but them trying you to, listening. yeah, you know, them, them trying to just, it's cool, you know. All right. So um, you mentioned, uh, you know, like, you know, that you're building a platform really, you know, um, you know, for us, you know, for us brothers out here, you know what I'm saying? How do you mm-hmm. feel like race and mental health connect um, I think it's huge. I, I think race, because it, it is not a direct connection, but there's definitely a correlation mm-hmm. um, because race defines who you are. Yeah. You know, and who you are develops what you think. And what you think is essentially your mental health, where you are in your mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of us, particularly in our community, were raised on bad habits. Yeah. You know, we're raised on things that we, you know, we we uh we put value to the wrong thing sometimes. And we don't realize that it's the wrong thing until it's too late, unfortunately, most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um now there's strength in some of that. There's strength in that. And there's some things, you know, coming out of our communities that I actually would like to teach the rest of the world. Like if, if a lot of us were a little more, you know, tough and thought about things in a certain way, there wouldn't be a lot of problems that we have. But in essence, that also, you know, it's not really the way that we're taught it is not governed, right? There's no specific outcome, right? You're taught to be hard and that's just what it is. Yeah. And when you don't have a, you're taught to be hard because then you just think that you have to be hard all the time. Yeah. So when things naturally happen in the human experience, like sadness and depression and anxiety and and any of those things, you don't really understand it. You think it's a part of the process and you Mm. never address it from a healthy standpoint. Um, You know, and and I think that race plays a a huge, huge part in that. Whereas the I guess the, the, the problem, the conundrum that we end up in is a lot of the people who are who need help are us. Yeah. But a lot of the people who are quote unquote equipped to help them are not us. Mm. So you have this weird dynamic where you have people who only want to help, who want to teach you things that don't apply anything to your upbringing. And it really only ends up making you feel worse um, because you're being compared to a demographic that you have nothing in common with. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a gift. It's a curse. It's, it's teaching people not to recognize their own, you know, their own development because it's not necessarily a bad thing to come up the way that a lot of us come up, but yeah. it's a bad thing when we don't understand the reasons behind why. You know, because then you can't use it constructively. You can't use that toughness or that, you know, that the things that you think are necessary for for survival are now in 2019 being labeled as 
toxic, yeah. for example. You know, um, so there's definitely a relationship for sure. Um, it's not as simple as, you know, one connected to the other. But when you go through and break down the reasons why one specific race is portrayed in a, in a specific way, you know, mental health is a, is a big part of it. Yeah. Okay. And you said, uh, you mentioned the word toxic. What, uh, like, what, which, which part would you consider, like, do, do you think people are, are calling toxic? Uh, I think the, the, the label, first of all, I think toxic is, is a bad label, right? It's mm-hmm. you to put toxic on top of anything that already existed is assuming that that thing is negative. It puts a negative connotation on it. Yeah. Right. If you say toxic masculinity, then then that drives people to think that masculinity is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, toxic blackness. Then that makes you think that blackness is a bad thing. Um, it's our understanding of the word. And because society is so this or that, then it doesn't really leave space for those conversations that need to be had. Right. Yeah. You know, if it's toxic, then it must be bad. Yeah. And that's so false. It's, it's not true. Cause a lot of times, you know, that toxic thing, the thing that we label as toxic is development, right? It's, it's stuff that we were taught that we had to have and we need to learn Oh no! You know, yeah, we ahead. need to learn. No, you, we need to learn other things, right? It's just the human experience is going through those negative and positive experiences and taking from those to become who you are. And because my development is different from your development, mm-hmm. it is not fair for you to label mine as toxic. Yeah, you know. But we we jump on these these words like this so quickly. And so easily, and then they blow up, they become viral, that now you have people questioning who they are and feeling bad about who they are. Yeah. You know? Okay. Well, what if they've done some things that they should feel bad for? Oh, well, then I think that the, the only key to that is accountability. Mm-hmm. You know, if they feel, if they, if they genuinely feel bad about that, then that's exactly what's supposed to happen. Like, if they do something like, you know, you say toxic masculinity, which has now become men who dominate women, who feel like they have to enforce their will on women. Yeah. You know, that is something that may have happened because of their development, because of their miseducation on what a man is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. The responsibility then comes in when they feel like I should feel bad about this. Yeah. The problem is if somebody says I should feel bad bad about this, but screw it, I'm going to keep doing it. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. If you can get to a point where you identify something that, man, I probably shouldn't have done that. You now also accept the accountability of, therefore, I should change my actions. I should fix it. I should do something else. Um, You know, we we should all feel bad about it. It's the we feel like. For some, somehow we've gone into life thinking that there's just people out there who have never done anything wrong. <laughs> and anybody who has yeah. is flawed. Yeah. And we should always feel bad about that. But in reality, 
everybody has done things that are that are wrong. Mm-hmm. And the real challenge is recognizing that and becoming a better person after that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on your way. Yeah, that's uh, a good explanation. Uh, yeah, I know that that term. Um, it just gets like a lot of attention. You know, I personally think that like it's 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 totally separate from from actual masculinity. You know, like it's not it's not one. It's it's like a totally different thing. You know what I'm saying? So like so you have so you have like real masculine or actual masculinity that. That is a that is a that is a you know like a vague term, but you know explains masculine things. The the only thing that I think about like what you know what toxic masculinity is like. If somebody doesn't allow you to like define what you think a man should be, then that mm-hmm. person's being like a toxic person, you know. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, and that goes by that speaks to that dominance thing, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it has to be this way. It has to be my way. Um. Everybody has their their own right and will to define whoever they want to be. Yeah. And it does not necessarily mean that it's wrong because it doesn't align with your view or his mm-hmm. view or her view. Um, that's that's what I mean. I, I look at masculinity as, you know, personally, like gentlemanly things, like things that we, you know, we should do to define who we are as a gender uh, in the most positive light possible. Yeah. But I also have learned recently, you know, the misconception of that, the idea of the alpha male, mm-hmm. you know, because that, that breathes its way into this conversation very often. And, you know, a lot of people look at the alpha male as that person who's the leader, who's in charge, who's the, the dominant personality, the one who controls other people, the one that other people follow. Yeah. When in essence, the the alpha male and I think, you know, the the true to himself masculine is someone who has learned that the only person they can really dominate and control is themselves. And that responsibility is huge. Um, And once you are able to look internal and realize that the only thing that I'm really in control of is me. Yeah. And everybody else has free will and free right to be who they are. And how I react to that is controlled by me, you know, and that becomes you're you're influenced by what you say that you do and not by the circumstances that happens to you. I think the people who are a little weaker in the sense, they react to circumstance. You know, uh-huh. Something happens and now I feel this way and now I think this way. Therefore, I am this way. Yeah. When in essence, it should be. I am this way and I think this way and it makes me feel this way. Mm-hmm. And what happens after that is what's controlled by me. Mm. You know, I think we got it backwards. Sometimes that alpha male, that masculine person is the one who is always able to accept responsibility for his own, his own actions. Yeah. Hey, you mentioned uh, being a gentleman and I'll be seeing you, you know, on your gentleman swag <laughs> on Twitter. I'll be, I'll be peeping. I'm like, okay. He, yeah. he fresh for that one. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. me, bro. That's me going back to, you know, the more and more that I see, the more and more that I want to learn how to be like my, you know, my granddad and those mm-hmm. people who are like, you know, they, they stepped out. Yeah. Our, uh, every, every time. Every time they stepped out, they looked good. <laughs> they, they had it matched up. They had, you know, it it was, 
they they represented themselves well. Yeah. And you know, me, I asked myself, like, why don't we do that? Like, why aren't more people trying to do that? So that's what I'm I wanted to learn how to do, especially after coming out the Marines where you wear a uniform every single day. Yeah. I'm like, if I'm gonna learn how to dress myself, I wanna learn how to dress myself like the you know my heroes did mm-hmm. um you know let me let me t- teach me what a suit looks like teach me how to match some socks to a you know to whatever teach me how to wear cufflinks so yeah that's me that's, yeah. that's just something that i i've kind of you know taught myself how to do well man i i peeped it <laughs> it looks good on you you know appreciate it man uh so Speaking of like our grandparents' generation and all that stuff, our ancestors. Why do you? What do you think? Like the biggest, like, or why there is such a misconception in of of mental health in like our community? Hmm. I think it's because we have never really <clears throat> addressed it for what it is. Mm-hmm. You know the the concept of. You know, the glamorization of mental health is still a fairly new thing. So, I mean, I liken it to like, you know, today you you have like combat PTSD, Mm -hmm. and everybody knows what that is because it's it's huge. It's in your face. It's every day. Everybody knows that is. But you rewind forty years, you know, go combat PTSD was the same thing but it was called shell shock mm-hmm. and it was called, it's just what happens It's what happens when you go to war and you become, you know, a soldier. And it was almost mm-hmm. hailed as a good thing. Yeah. Right. It's like, okay, this guy, he, he's seasoned, he's been through something. Now he has got, he's got that thousand yard stare mm-hmm. and in real life, he's messed up forever, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? So that's kind of like with us in the black community, we never really addressed it for what it is, you know, and just understanding like, you know, right now I live in Temecula, California, yeah. you know, and every, you know, people out here have a whole different set of problems, right? I was re- looking the other day, like the biggest problem of the day was, you know, the mall hasn't been painted since 1989. <laughs> you know, like, oh my God, I can't believe we're, you know, how yeah. did he do that to us, you know? Um, <laughs> So out here, I could go to somebody and I could talk to them about depression and I could probably make a lot of money because we can talk all day about the effects of depression. Yeah. I take that same conversation to somewhere in Baltimore City where I grew up and say, hey, let's talk about depression. And they'll say something to me like, I don't have time to talk about depression. Listen, I got to feed my family tonight. My homeboy just died two weeks ago. It just is what it is. Yeah. That is my life. And they have a higher level of resilience, which we look at now and we want to say, poor person, poor you. Um, that's terrible that you go through that. Um, but it's never been put in that arena of mental health problem. It's yeah. just what we do. Yeah, just what it is. So it's just, it is what it is. So they don't want to hear that, right? They don't want to hear, you know, you really have an issue. You might have some post-traumatic stress from, you know, your, your friend dying. How are you dealing with that? Because they're like, Hey, it happens all the time. And I adjust to it. Um, so it's never got that highlight. Mm -hmm. So now when we try to bring that highlight to our community, people are like, you know, are you serious? Like, yeah. 
Now you, you know, what am, why are you making this a big deal? It's just this is the way my life is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. Um, we, I know, for just from like the little experience that I have uh, dealing with some of uh, our people of color in therapy, some of them, I feel like, don't take me serious because they feel like, oh, you black therapist, and you know, I ain't really gotta work as hard. But it's like. Yeah. I, I, I kind of need you to, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, yeah, yeah. you know, so like, um, have you ever experienced that? You know what I'm saying? Like seeing the, you know, like a black client or a black patient and, and they kind of treat you like, you know, all because you black, I ain't got to really do therapy for real. Um, yeah. I mean, to, to an extent, yes, I have. I, I mean, I also experienced, you know, in my previous job, you know, my partner and I were both black and they would always somehow send us to the black people. Mm. You know, we, we peeped it. And after a while, we're like, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes I see people and I'm like, you know what? I needed to see you because the rest of these people probably would not help in this, you know, in the way that we can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you get that. You see people and you know, they, they see you come in there. And the first thing that I usually get is, you know, oh, I didn't expect you <laughs> to be the one to help me. Right. Like, are you the are you like are you the scribe? Are you just the the, oh, one that's like, <laughs> the scribe? Are you, are you the guy who I got to see until the real doctor gets here? And I'm yeah. like, no, nah, bro, I'm it. So that happens, and then you have like the ones like you say, like they don't want to. They think, okay, we got this man. You know where I'm coming from. You know what it's like. You know what it is. So you feel me. You understand me. And I'm like, yeah, I feel you. I get you. But you still have to work. Mm-hmm. You know, you still got to work. You still have to give that same amount of effort if you're going to get through this. Just because I understand you and I feel you. And, and what I'm thinking is because I understand you, you should want to work that much more. You should mm. believe me that much sooner. Yeah. But, you know, it's just like the whole thing, man. Like if you see, if you have a, a, an established, you know, name like Gucci. Mm-hmm. And Gucci screamed and they had like that whole thing where they had like the black face sweater, yeah. you know, and everybody for like a week was like boycott Gucci, boycott Gucci. And that happens. And then after a while, it fades off and we all forgive him because we love Gucci. Mm-hmm. We trust Gucci. But you take, you know, a, a black owned business and if they make one mistake. It's a wrap. Done. It's a wrap. Yeah. Nobody trusts them. You know, and that's something that we do to ourselves, man. We do that. We 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 uh we could be so much more, but we have not learned to trust ourselves yet. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you take that to our profession, you have the guy who who's and immediately he downgrades me to his friend and his, his homie because we're of the same struggle and discounts the fact that, yeah, but I'm asking you to work. Yeah, the same way that the, you know that white guy would ask you to, mm-hmm. you got to put in the same effort. Definitely, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was just almost curious about that to see, like, like is this is it, is it just me or is this like a thing? You know, like you show up and, oh, no. <laughs> and especially when you're real, man. Especially when you know when you come in and you're willing to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And they feel that authenticity. Like, okay, this is somebody that that gets me. And you think that will be more to your advantage. It's actually more to your disadvantage because they're like, you know what? Yeah, you're going to get me out of here because I would see people, you know, I work crisis beforehand. So I see people in the Mm. hospital and, you know, they'd be in there on their involuntary hold. And my job was determined, okay, 
are they good to go back home or do they need to go inpatient okay. somewhere? And they see me and they're like, oh, yeah, thank you. I'm saying, you can get me out of here. And I'm like, no, nah, it's not yeah. that simple. Like, I'm, <laughs> you know, in, in essence, it's like I care, you know, and you don't want to be biased, but I'm like, dude, I care about you. I care about you so much that you need to stay here and you need to go get some help. Yeah. You know, but but that's not what they expect from me. They think that I'm here to give them the hookup and put them back in the street when, you know, in essence, that's doing them a disservice. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely not just you, man. <laughs> it's, it's a struggle in here. Man, for sure. Um, so uh, let's talk about uh, your own lane you're trying to build. Uh, now I might mess up the name. Is it Talk Taylor or Taylor Talk? Yeah, Talk Taylor. Okay. Talk to so yeah, that, um, yeah. It's so it's a platform that I want to create a modality that is all unique to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the name comes from you know you think about a tailor, you walk into a tailor and they hook you up, kind of like that same vibe where you know we're talking about where I try to dress myself up nice. I had to learn what a tailor does. Mm-hmm. It is that person who you go into and they make sure that they custom fit what you have to fit you specifically. Yeah. Um, So I wanted to do that with therapy and I wanted it to be a lane where, Hey, listen, whatever it is that you like to do, I'm going to meet you there. I'm not going to ask you to come into my office and this cliche scene that you already assume where, you know, there's a, you know, probably a water making noise, making thing in the background. And I got Mm. posters hanging up that says motivation and, gratitude and all that kind of stuff, that cliche vibe. I wanted to break that up. Yeah. And as soon as bring it to the people, um, whatever it is you like to do, you like to take a walk, I'll meet you there. Uh, you like to, you want to talk on Skype. I'll do that with you. Let's go to you. Yeah. You stay in your comfort zone. But when we talk, it's going to be from a lane that is authentic. You're going to be talking to William. Um, you're going to be coached by Dr. Coombs, but it's going to come from William the person. Yeah. Um, and I I wanted to make, you know, just like this, you know, you say very similar to kind of your platform, hip hop social worker, where, you know, this is who I am. This is what I do. And both can exist in the same reality. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with me. This is who I am. This is what I do. And Taylor wants to be a place where you can go to, you know, not necessarily looking for, those long-term, they, if there's a significant diagnosis like, you know, schizophrenia or a chronic depression or something like that, then I'll probably defer to a higher level of care. Yeah. But I'm for those people who don't quite necessarily need that. They just need somebody to talk to who's qualified to give them that good feedback. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what's yeah. up. And I see, like, so, like, you, I see, uh, you know, like, your online movement. Um, I see you doing the videos and, uh, you know, I remember we talked about you maybe doing a podcast and all that stuff. Um, so, uh, is there a website? There's a website, uh, www.talktaylor.com. Okay. Um, that is where, you know, you can connect with me. Uh, you can connect. I have a thing on there called Talk Taylor Lounge and that's where I put the videos. Mm. Um, you know, it, it works in twofold. One, you can go in there and you can actually request that individual service. Um, so, and my rates are a lot lower than what you'd expect. Cause I want it to be accessible. You know, yeah. I wanted to understand that it's not, you know, I'm not just this crazy expensive thing. Like I'm not Tony Robbins, right. I'm mm-hmm. just, a, I'm just a dude who's 
cares enough about this to want to help you yeah. and has not forgotten. It's not that far removed from the other side where, you know, I needed that help. Yeah. Um, but then there's also that platform too, where you create that conversation. Now, I do the, I do the talk Taylor live session. If you, you know, you connect, connect with me on Instagram, uh, at talk Taylor, uh, or you can find me on, on, uh, Facebook through talk Taylor or through, you know, William Coombs. Mm-hmm. And we do the Facebook live every Sunday, three thirty Pacific. Yeah. That just generates conversation. I want to make a con- a forum where people can just openly talk. Like I feel like we've gotten so far away from just being able to just discuss things. Yeah. Um, so that whole that whole movement is just, you know, let's let's get back to being real people and talking like real people. Mm-hmm. And if you want to do that individually, then you know, Talk Taylor's here for you. Yeah. Okay. And how's like the um, I know like the social media grind is is something else. Uh, you know, is 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 very rigorous and. You know, you just got you just got to be present on there. Uh, uh, how is that going for you? The whole social media. Um, you're right. Like it's so far. I actually I, I I stayed away from social media for about six seven years. My wife and I decided that you know what this is not for us, and we stayed away. And then as you know, starting to you know finishing up the DSW program and realizing that that's really where people exist. People. <laughs> will find you through your, you know, your social media platform. So I had to, you know, bite the bullet, suck it up and get back on there. Yeah. And you're right. It's a grind. Staying relevant takes work. Keeping things, you know, keeping fresh things to talk about takes work. You know, those Mm. quotes that pop through your head, you know, you want to put them out there and stay constant. Um, I'm slowly generating followers. I'm slowly learning how to do it. You know, I'm learning that the people that I see who have thousands and thousands of followers, there may be about, you know, 300 of them who are actually genuinely engaged. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of learning that, you know, my little small following is as long as they are all real, mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. Yeah. You know, you know, just keeping it real that you understand that as much as I want, the people who connect with me, they want to. So, mm-hmm. you know, you find that what, what, what is really, you know, matters to me is platforms like this where you have, mutual benefit right you know yeah. uh being me, me being able to connect with your audience I, i'm pretty sure a lot of them kind of feel what i'm saying and likewise me being able to bring your audience your due to my audience and yeah. so they realize that we're out here like the, the biggest thing is like we we are out here <laughs> and that's true people need to find us but you know people don't know people aren't looking yeah that's real yeah it, it, it's a it's definitely a grind uh i think like my goal for 2020 is to really try to figure out a new approach. I've been doing the same approach for about mm, a year, a year and some months. Cause I started, started last May, started last May and I've been just, just going. So I think I'm going to switch up the approach, try to work smarter, not harder. Yeah, well, I mean, if from that standpoint, though, from a, from an admiring standpoint, bro, props to you because, you know, I think you remember a while back when I called you and I started out picking your brain, like, hey, mm. how do you do this? How do you get started? And, you know, you you had it going for a while, but it was still pretty new. Um, it was at that point that I followed you on Spotify. And, you know, and every now and then, you know, when I'm in the gym, you know, I'll pull up an episode, I'll listen to an episode, and I'll connect with it. But I went back and looked, and I'm like, okay, where are we at now? Because I'm still, 
my Spotify defaults to like your earlier, yeah. earlier stuff. And I'm like scrolling, 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 like, well, this is like a year's worth of content. <laughs> yeah. He's really this he's really doing this. So Yeah, man. When I first started the podcast, I was doing like three episodes a week. You know, like I would do one big one, hopefully, like, you know, was talk to somebody. Then I would do like the um the check-ins, you know, which yeah. I would just kind of just pump them out. And so 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 that really boosted it up, but but since then I really like I, I try to do one a week, maybe two, but it's usually like one a week. Yeah. Um, so my question for you is, how do you stay fresh? Like, how do you keep that content going? Uh, man, talking to people, uh, really like just connecting with people. Um, people want to share their story, so like um, that's like a a, a cheat code in a sense, you know what I'm saying? People want to talk, you know, people want to share their journey, especially like if they're social workers, they want to share their journey. They want to inspire, help, like, you know, being part of, um, you know, inspiring people. So like really just that, um, you know, uh, staying up on current events, connecting current events to like social work themes, you know, that I see. Um, yeah. And like, if I see something dope on, uh, on Instagram, I just repost it, you know, cause I feel like if I saw it in, in, if I saw it and I thought it was helpful, then, you know, all my followers, you know, so I think it was helpful too, you know, or whoever, whoever looks at it, whoever finds it, you know, cause I see a lot of interesting stuff that stuff that like where I see it's like, well, I never thought about it that way, you know, cause I feel like I'm a person that, that oversimplifies, not oversimplifies, but overcomplicates things. Mm-hmm. And I like things to be kind of chopped down, you know, so it's basically just like, you know, searching for content, um, you know, like I said before, uh, you know, talking to new people, connecting with new people, you know, jumping in inbox or, you know, if I have to, just to try to like see if I can pick somebody's brain, you know, like, you know, because I do that too, you know, like I yeah. I reach out to to folks just to see, you know, how can I do this, how can I do that, or what is that, or what was that that you posted, you know, just, so yeah, it's, yeah, really, and I just kind of stack up things, you know, like my phone is probably filled with a whole bunch of like, you know, uh, stuff that I find online, or like if I have like a quote that I thought was tight, I write it down, and you know, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just it's it's a it's a it's a messy system, but you know, I just feel like I like I just stockpile stuff, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I like I, I've, that balance is tough, bro, because I I started out, you know, when I started doing the Talk Tale Live thing. I kind of wanted to like, as soon as I have an idea, I'm like, Oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want it. And so I'll end up having like four or five posts a week of just me talking. And then after a while, I'm like, Dang, I, I said all the things that I got to say. Yeah. And what do I talk about now? But then even facilitating, it's so huge that you say that, like, you know, some of the, you, the, the goal is to provide a platform mm-hmm. for other people to share their story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's been times where even, you know, last week we talked about on on the talk Taylor, we talked about the Amber Geiger, Geiger situation and that whole mess. Yeah. And to remain neutral and just be the facilitator was tough because there was so many things that I wanted to go in on. Yeah. Like, you know, that's not my role here. And then you have somebody who will come on and they'll take the thing because they have an agenda, too. And they're like, OK, left field. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you got to bring it back center. Like, OK, well, let's get back to the topic. So, yeah, I, I say that to say that I definitely appreciate the grind, bro. I uh, I envy you. I respect what you're doing. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, and you don't realize it until you sit down and try to do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, yeah, a lot of you know, because that's one part of like you know, like my journey too is like I wanted to kind of show like the 
you know, the zero to whatever, you know, process. Because, you know, like on, you know, like our, on TV and, you know, like, or just even kind of any kind of finished, polished, you know, thing that people try to show you, you know, the goal for them is to make it look easy. You know, right. so but but in reality, you know, because you know, like hip hop social worker, I started it back in 2015. So like, I really didn't have nothing, you know. But 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 I just started like doing other stuff, and it kind of just built from, you know, just like taking notes and really just like being patient and yeah, it, it, and really and really telling myself that it's not supposed to be like super easy. Yeah, you know, you talk about the name. I remember, like, the first episode, you're like, Man, hip hop shows should work out. It, it is what it is. Uh, I don't have a better name right now, <laughs> corny, but whatever, you know. But that was a, it's a name, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like because it was so kind of like hip hop social, like, what the f- like, what, 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 yeah. what is he talking about? Hip hop yeah. social work, and then people like look it up, like, Oh, well, either they like it or they're like, Nah, that's still kind of corny. I ain't, never, <laughs> I ain't messing with that, but, but, but it drew me though, because I'm like, Okay. Hip hop social worker. This dude's gonna be talking about some stuff that I care about, and I can yeah. probably, I can talk to him about social work, but I could probably talk to him about some J's that just came out. I could probably talk mm-hmm. to him about definitely, you know, you know Wu Tang. Yeah, so <laughs> people people want to people want that. People yeah. need that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it was like you know just a good draw. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, ooh, so I want to before we get out of here, I want to talk about uh. You just became Dr. William Coombs. Yep. How was the whole DSW program? Oh, uh, man. So USC, uh, I graduated from USC. Mm-hmm. And if USC is listening, they're probably going to hate me for this. But <laughs> my, 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 my approach to the doctorate program, I'm telling everybody who's listening, if you want to become a doctor, you can become a doctor. Mm. That's the one thing that I want people to know. You know, people look at a doctor of this and a doctor of that, and they assume that these are exceptional people. In a sense, maybe they are. But the thing that makes them exceptional is they're willing to put in the time and the effort. That's it. Yeah. Um, if I were to tell you, you know, I've, I've earned four degrees in my life, mm-hmm. associate, bachelor's, master's, doctorate. And, and F, in terms of difficulty, it was backwards. The associates was the hardest degree I ever earned in my life. Yeah. The doctorate was the easiest degree because it really only requires you, you know, can you prove that you can be an expert in a thing that you care about? Yeah. You know, and if you can do that and you can write a little bit, you can become a doctor. Um, The process for me was very eye opening because I really didn't have any business in the program from a traditional sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it was these, it's designed for people who have been social workers for, you know, 10, 20 years, already licensed, already doing their thing, and they're ready to move on to that next level. Yeah. And for me, you know, I got out of the Marine Corps April 2017. I graduated with my Master of Social Work May of 2017. And I was enrolled in a doctorate program September of 2017. Yeah. So damn zero hours of experience, zero licensure. I didn't start my licensure work until I was already in the program. And what I learned is that for some reason, the further you go in this profession, you become a quote unquote professional. You become that 
you know, you're regurgitating what a social worker should be. Yeah. You know, and I'll give you an example. Like, you know, in, in terms of, like, crisis work, and you have that experienced social worker, and you have somebody <clears throat> who's addicted to heroin, and they see, you know, as a social, your approach is, like, validation. I understand why you like heroin. I understand why you do that. I understand the feeling that it gets from you. I, you know, I, I totally get it. And, you know, it's okay that you do that. Let's figure out how to get it. You know, they give, they give you all these modalities and evidence-based practice ways to address it. And here comes me, who is armed only with my own ignorance. And I'm like, how about you fucking stop doing heroin? Yeah. That's dumb. And every, all my classmates are looking at me like, oh my gosh, William, that's an incredible idea. That's crazy. How did you come up with that? And I'm like, common sense, dude. So what you learn is that the, the more of a professional that you become, mm-hmm. the further you get away from those basic common sense ideas. Um, that's why I say that, you know, anybody can survive in a program if they want, if they put in, put forth the time and the effort and the work. Yeah. And for me, I'm saying the things now that I was saying as a, you know, a young black kid from Baltimore, the difference now is that you believe me because yeah. I have doctor in front of my name. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that, if anybody's out there considering it, don't ever say that you are not doctor material. You know, you are, if you're willing to work for it. And that's, Really, you know, that's it. Every there are so many people sitting on genius, but they think that it is doctors who are supposed to give you that genius. And in essence, you already have the genius. People just listen to you because you say it as a doctor. Mm. Okay, dope. Yeah, I've I haven't considered it, but just curious to know about you know the program and the things that goes on in a doctorate program and. You know, so yeah, it's it's really. I mean, in the the program at SC with the the DSW specifically is designed to teach you how to build your own program. So Talk Taylor was actually conceived through schoolwork. Mm. You know, and I'm doing it. And I'm building. I'm building. You learn how to build a program or a practice or a policy. And really, I'm like, by the time I'm ready to graduate, I'm like, yo, I have a program here. Like, I have a a company. Yeah, I need to like, follow through and make this a thing. Yeah, instead of just doing it for the work. So, um. That's really the the DSW is practical application. It's like your PsyD versus your PhD. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the PhD to teach, you get the DSW to work. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Um, and you and so like when when can people catch like your um you know your live Facebook uh, feeds? Talk to live every Sunday. Uh, I try to keep it consistently. If it changes, I'll let you know ahead of time. But we're doing it Sundays. 3.30 Pacific, 6.30 Eastern. Um, that's right after the afternoon football game and before the late football game. Yeah. People feel you. I got those priorities, too. <laughs> um, yeah, it usually goes for about an hour. Uh, we'll bring up a topic or something I come up with that week. And if I'm lucky, I'll get somebody to get on there and just, you know, use that platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so every week, every Sunday, 3.30 Pacific. All right. Well, man, uh, anything else you want to say before we uh, get up out of here? Um, I think, I mean, I'll plug the program. Definitely check me out on um, on Instagram at TalkTaylor. Check me out on uh, www.talktaylor.com. That's the website. Um, that's the hub for everything that we want to do. If you want to check into our services, uh, everything that you need is right there. Um, the Talk Taylor Live thing is huge. Join the conversation. Um, but last thing, one more shout of gratitude for you, man, for having me on here. Uh, we got a little small 
fraternity of us that kind of stick together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely appreciate you guys for inviting me into the circle. Um, anything that I can do, let me know. Um, I'm a big fan of the show and I'm gonna keep on listening. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. You know, all right. Well, uh, yeah, I appreciate you stopping through, uh, and sharing, you know, your wonderful, uh, journey in social work, some gems and, you know, just hopefully we can keep you, uh, keep people uh, being inspired. Definitely brother. That's the goal. Yep. All right. All right, man. Peace. Later.